Now, am I the only one who feels like uh, people are getting angrier and angrier? I mean, in our culture, it seems like people are in a constant, they're constantly, you know, worked up and angry about things. You see it, you see it on the, in the media, of course, and you see it in social media especially. Every once in a while, I'll see it in an email. I got an email some time ago, and it was a person who's visiting the church, and they ripped me to shreds. I mean, I think I was, I was, I was arrogant, and I was ignorant, and a whole lot of other things. And <laughs> those things may be true at particular times, but this email was focused. <laughs> this email was focused on a single phrase in a subordinate clause of one sentence. It was just a turn of phrase that pushed somebody's button. And they interpreted all sorts of things and ascribed all sorts of ideas to me based on this one tiny turn of phrase. I mean, I don't script out my sermons. I often misspeak. But this person was so angry about it. Now, like I say, I mean, there's, there's room for critique here. I get that. I get that. And it's not like I don't mess up or say things I shouldn't say. I do. And sometimes folks call me on it, and generally, I appreciate it, <laughs> generally. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes pride gets in the way, you know, and I don't so much. But, but this email was like, wow, this is, this is over the top. This says something about the anger level of this person. Now, the anger in our culture seeps into the church as well. It's a form of worldliness, and I think that even in the church, anger is a problem and a problem that we struggle with and it prevents us from growing as we should grow. I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to start reading in verse 25. Paul says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. When walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, you can see Paul has a number of instructions here, but a central thread deals with anger. And it's quite clear from what he says, 
Anger is not always a sin. But let's face it, anger is powerful and it's always dangerous. And it frequently leads to sin. And even if initially it's innocent, if it is indulged over time, it leads us to dark places we don't want to go. And in fact, Paul says that in our anger, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. I am convinced that many Christians don't have joy and don't thrive in their spiritual life because they're working at cross purposes with God. They're grieving the Holy Spirit because they are full of anger. They haven't dealt with it. Paul says, not only will you grieve the Holy Spirit, but you will provide a foothold for the devil. All sorts of evil can come into your life if anger sits in your heart and is not dealt with. So it's vital that we as Christians, following the way of love set out for us in Jesus Christ, it's vital that we deal with anger. And so Paul tells us to get rid of all malice. He says, every form of malice, kakia in the Greek, it means this, this ill will toward other people, this hard spirit, this sometimes hateful spirit to other people. It's the, it's the spirit that causes you to imagine someone suffering justly. They've wronged you and they should have to pay for it. And so you have these fantasies of revenge. That's what malice is all about. And Paul says, we need to put aside, get rid of every form of malice. And then he spells out what he means with five different nouns. Now, you might think it's overkill. In fact, when I read it, I think, Paul, this is overkill. But but, but Paul doesn't want to give us any place that we can escape. And so he starts with bitterness. He says one form of malice is bitterness, pikria in the Greek. And this bitterness is a long-standing resentment. That's what the Greek term means, a long-standing resentment. The Greeks would use it of a person who refused to be reconciled. They're offended, they're angry, and they're not going to get over it. And they're not going to talk with you about it because they're angry and they're going to stay angry. Now here, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a person who is reluctant to reconcile because there's been a breakdown of trust in the relationship. And until that trust is reestablished, there can't be full reconciliation. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not saying that we have the right to say to someone that we've wronged, well, you know what? You really need to reconcile. Otherwise, you're, you're just sinning in bitterness. That's not really our thing to say when we're the ones in the wrong. Nevertheless, there is this bitter spirit that sometimes holds us back. It's a bitter spirit that simply won't let things go. Now, Paul goes on to talk also. He, he talks about bitterness, but then he speaks of rage and anger. So in Greek, thumos and orge. Thumos refers to that anger that flares up in a moment. So the Greeks would use the term for a flame that would consume straw. 
Think about how it, it suddenly blazes forth and then it goes out. It's that explosive anger. Orge is kind of your time-release anger. It's the anger that doesn't go away in a moment. It's an anger that is habitual and is connected with character. And the truth is, for many people, they live with this constant low boil of anger. And so when something happens, maybe a little something, it flares up and they're furious. Paul says, you got to put away all of that kind of stuff. And then he talks about brawling and slander. And that's, that's interesting because krauge is the Greek for brawling and it means yelling. It's where you raise your voice and begin to yell at somebody because you're angry. And then slander, blasphemia, in this context, it means abusive speech, derogatory speech. You're ripping a person apart. You're raising your voice. You're yelling at them. You're tearing them down all because you're angry. Paul says, listen, you've got to get rid of malice, every form of malice. You have to get rid of this, this explosive anger, but this also long-standing anger, the bitterness that long-standing resentment, you need to put it away. You can't be abusing people, raising your voice, yelling at them. All that's got to be put away. Instead, he says, we should be kind and compassionate toward one another, forgiving one another. Now, it's that forgiving that's so important because it suggests Paul is not recommending perfection. <laughs> if he did, it would be useless we're not going to be flawless. We are going to say things that hurt other people. We're going to sin. We're going to do wrong. And there are going to be conflicts in our relationship. So it's not a matter of be perfect so that everything goes smoothly. It's a matter of forgiving. See, we can't move forward without forgiving. So put away the anger and forgive, he says. Now, forgiveness is hard. I mean, we all know that. Forgiveness is really hard. And it's because all forgiveness is substitutionary. Notice he says, we are to forgive as God in Christ forgave us. How did God in Christ forgive us? Jesus bore the consequences of our sins upon himself and then said, Father, forgive them. He didn't retaliate. Jesus bore our sins and by bearing our sins, brought about our salvation. We are to forgive others by bearing their sins. In this sense, I suffered the consequences of that sin and I don't retaliate. I don't get justice. I let go of justice. I give up justice. So now, you're the one who does something wrong and I'm the one who suffers for it and the sin is extinguished in me because I let it go. Or I do something wrong and it's reversed. The sin is extinguished in you even though I've done something wrong. All forgiveness is substitutionary. You bear the other person's wrong. 
That's why it's so difficult. I mean, for one thing, I don't want to do it because I'm selfish and proud. I mean, you're supposed to do what pleases me. And if you don't do what pleases me, it makes me angry. You're supposed to do what is good for me. And if you don't do what's good for me, it makes me angry. But I'm called to follow Christ. If I'm called to follow Christ, I have to let go of my selfishness and my pride and recognize that you stand before God. And God will see to it that right prevails in the end. What I need to do is to let it go. That isn't easy to do. In fact, there's more to it than that. And this is where it gets really nuanced and it gets difficult because our anger is not always caused by selfishness and pride. Sometimes it's caused by hurt, pain, and even fear. How many parents have been fearful and because of that angry with their children? You know, you're worried about your kid and you're thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. They're making these choices and terrible things and you get furious with them. But it's because you love them and you're afraid for them. So lots of things go into anger. And then when it comes to hurt and pain, Sometimes we react to those things out of, with anger, but it's not a sinful anger. It's a cry of, of pain that comes from what's happened to us, from the wound. And there are times that we're angered not because we're standing in pride, but because our dignity has been assaulted. Our value has been denigrated. And there's something deep within us as human beings that know that's a violation of us that should not be allowed. And so there's an there's a anger that rises up. Now, it all gets complicated because as innocent as it might be, it doesn't stay innocent because we're all sinners. But still, but still this is very, very important because it means that sometimes you can't quite get to the anger until you get to the pain and the fear that gives it energy. And sometimes it's hard to get to the pain because it could be under layer after layer after layer of denial. There are people who have suffered abuse as children that have deeply buried pain and don't even understand their anger, and they try to choose to forgive, and they just don't seem to be able to forgive. Well, they're not going to until, until truth prevails and things begin to come out, and then it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process. But God knows that. God knows that. And when it's our heart to forgive and we're asking God to help us forgive, that is not a hard, bitter spirit. That's simply a child of God seeking with God's help to grow, to find greater freedom, to conform to Christ. It doesn't always happen in a moment. It can be a struggle. That's okay. That's okay. That's different. I'm not wanting to put a burden on everyone here. You know, where now you feel in a corner, oh my gosh, I've got to forgive and I can't forgive. No, it can be hard. Let me give you an illustration. 
Strange illustration, sort of. The fastest growing sport in America is what? Pickleball. I have a hard time even saying that word. I can't take it seriously. It's like, it's like when I used to take kids, our kids, you know, through the fast food. We'd, we'd go to Burger King, and they had Cine Minis. And I told them, I'm sorry, but you can't have those because I refuse to order Cine Minis. I won't say it. I won't say it. I feel like that about pickleball. Oh, I went and played pickleball. What a strange name. But if you don't know what pickleball is, this fast-growing sport, it's sort of a cross between table tennis and regular tennis, all right? Now, it, there are some skills that have to be learned. And in order to learn those skills, I mean, you've got to be, you've got to be humble enough to learn what they are, and you have to practice it. And in ordinary instances, that's what we have to do with anger. We have to learn to put aside our anger and discipline ourselves to put put the angry thoughts aside and to submit ourselves to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to help us. That's the normal thing. But what if, like a couple of people at our church, what if you have an injury like a rotator cuff injury and so you have to lay off playing pickleball? I know a couple of people, they had problems with the rotator cuff from playing pickleball. See, that's another thing. I would never admit that. (laughs) Never. You know, maybe... (laughs) Maybe, you know, if it's gymnastics, you know, I was on the side horse doing a special move, you know, and I hurt myself. You know, maybe that, but not pickleball. Come on. But a couple of folks injured. So what do you do there? Well, you're not going to learn pickleball by trying to play when you've got a serious injury. First, you got to heal the injury. Then you can learn how to play. And sometimes there are things in our lives, hurts that are so deep that the way to get to the anger is through going to the hurt and dealing with that. And to do that, you may need a mature, wise Christian counselor to help you unravel things. And and as you do that in in openness and truth and faith, you'll see that God goes to work and you, you felt stuck for such a long time, like, like you couldn't make progress as a Christian, and you begin to wonder, does it even work? You'll discover it does. You'll discover it does. When you stop trying to cover up and you just, you, you are truthful and you lay it out and you allow someone else to, to hear and to speak truth into your life, you'll see God at work and the grace of God, and the healing of God. And, and then you can start dealing with those, those issues. So I'm not meaning to kind of amp up the pressure, saying, forgive, 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 you must forgive. I understand that there are situations where it is a real process. But listen, it's also true that we have to commit to forgiveness. If we don't, if we don't, then we will grieve the Holy Spirit and leave an opening for the devil. That's what Paul says. So I want to invite you this morning to get unstuck if you're stuck or to find the reality of God in your life if you've never known that reality. Perhaps you've not even begun the Christian journey yet. You've not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can 
but it really does come down to laying it all on the altar. And it might mean laying your resentments. That might be the sin that's holding your back, laying your resentments on the altar. You have to surrender it. But what a, what a blessing that comes when we yield ourselves and our wills to the Lord, when we're willing to forgive. God himself is a forgiving God. And there's nothing, nothing we've done that cannot be forgiven. Do you realize that? There's no sin that you can bring to God that can't be forgiven. God is a forgiving God. And God can help you to forgive. And even if you find that difficult, God can work in your life if you'll open it to him. God can work in your life to enable you to forgive. Perhaps that's the one thing that's held you back to this point. I want to lead us in prayer, and I want to invite you to bring to the Lord whatever might be burdening your heart. And I especially want to invite you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that you would receive him as your Savior now. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for sending us a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that Christ is present by the Holy Spirit even now. And so, Jesus, we invite you into our lives to heal and deliver. We pray that you would work within us that we can let go of all malice and bitterness, rage and anger. Lord, help us to let it go. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Take us deeper, Lord, by your Spirit. And Lord, we pray for friends that are here this morning who perhaps haven't yet met you. We pray that you would give them grace to give their lives over to your care now. Give them faith. Lord, to trust you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.